This morning, uh, as we continue through our exposition through the Gospel of John, I do find and trust that you've been finding this very, very meaningful. So if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, you can look at the Pew Bible in front of you. If you do not have your Bible with you, it's on page 894. And again, I want to remind you of the scripture journals that are on the back table in case you need a new one or haven't had one or would like another. You can pick one up there. Because uh, uh, what can be more important than seeing God's word for yourself? Um, This morning, as we look at these few verses, John chapter 8, verse 21 through 30, we're not going to do a a big in-depth on this. This is Father's Day, and some of you may want to go golfing or to the beach or to the bay. I don't know. And so I'm going to attempt to keep this very short for you this morning and just get, um, just kind of do a flyover through this text. And so you can look at it a little bit deeper for yourself. John chapter 8, verses 21 through verse 30. And God's word reads, Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And so the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And so they were saying to Him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but He who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from Him These I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. And so Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe. In Him. Lord, we just ask your blessing upon the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you for um, your word that's been recorded for us, it's been handed down for us to, um, as a guide to live by, as a model to follow. And Lord, now help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you illuminate this text for us? Lord, not only that we can just understand what it means. Um, but just as importantly, how to apply it to our life so that we know how to live by it. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have titled this this morning, Seize the Opportunity Before It Is Too Late. Seize the Opportunity Before It Is Too Late. Opportunity has been a popular topic in the news these past few months, often as opportunity lost. An opportunity that is no longer available, a window of time that has closed. And so now a phrase has been added to our vocabulary. It has always been a part of our language, but not greatly used. New normal. What does new normal mean? Well, what was the past normal is no longer the current normal. Some would lament this current time and miss what was. Opportunity lost. Time has run out. School ended without any real sense of closure, and the class of 2020 missed the opportunity 
of a graduation as those of their past graduating classes have had. The workplace has changed. Going out to eat has gone away for a time anyways. Coming out for a Sunday worship service had ceased for a time. The time to capitalize on past opportunity has passed. This is the Lord's Day, and I am thankful for the opportunity to gather on this first day of the week, unhindered. I've been reminded over the past few months that this opportunity to do so may not always be available. The time of freely worshiping as Christians have for centuries may expire, and opportunity may cease. I'm also reminded that many who will cry out the loudest when the time of opportunity has run out are not making full use of the opportunity that is currently before them, before us. We must seize the opportunities that are currently before us before time runs out. And so from this text this morning, I hope you'll have a fuller understanding of the glory of opportunity the limitation of time, and the certainty of judgment. For those who want to follow where I'm going there and write that down, it's the glory of opportunity, the limitation of time, and the certainty of judgment. The first, the glory of opportunity. It has been said that nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity. Nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity. And how true that is for those that John is writing about in our text today. In this text this morning, in this eighth chapter, Jesus is before them, and yet they do not seize the glory of this opportunity. Jesus is standing right in their midst. They're having a face-to-face conversation, maybe masks on, maybe not, (laughs) face-to-face, and yet they are missing this opportunity, not all, but some. The word here, as you, you see, as Jesus starts out this text today in verse 21, whereas we're going to pick it up from where we left it off last Sunday, verse 21. And then Jesus said to them again, I go away and, and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Now, the word here for sin is just originally that it had, it had to do with shooting events, like shooting a, for us, it would be shooting a gun or, or a bow or, or those types of things. And it was just uh, uh, a sense of missing the mark. And sometimes we want to think about that as sin, as, as missing the mark, and, and, that, and there I de-emphasize the importance of not sinning or, or reconciling or dealing or coming to reckon with our sin. Missing the mark is never a good thing, is it? And so here you have some folks and that Jesus is saying, you will die in your sin. Sin, I find it interesting, it is singular in this sense in the original language. It's not plural, like in our sins. And it would certainly, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I understand what Jesus is saying here, it's just in our very sin nature. It's we're born in sin. Some would call it the doctrine of original sin. We're right from birth. Because of our original father and mother, we are born into with a sin nature, and we need a, a, a Savior. And so those who refuse to set, accept Jesus as master and Savior have missed the target in life. They will die with a life unrealized, and they will die unable to enter eternal life with God. 
See, often we want to think about we need a Savior. Jesus is my friend. I need to personally invite and personally accept Jesus into my life. Or, or Jesus is my personal Lord. Or, or that type of vernacular that we like to put on, on Jesus. But Jesus cannot only be our Savior. Or he can't really be our Savior unless we've made him our master. Our, our Lord. Lord there is, has many different meanings in English for us. And often many different Greek words that are translated into English as Lord. And I think master is a better sense of the word in many applications where we think of what, how, how we relate to God, how we relate to Jesus as our Savior, yes, but also as our master. In Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and Paul to the Romans, both of them citing Joel chapter 2 verse 32 Whoever calls upon the name of the Yahweh, whoever calls on upon the name of the Lord, but it's important to understand that the Lord being spoken thereof is, is Yahweh, is God. Whoever calls upon the name of Yahweh will be saved, will be saved. The glory of opportunity that is before these folks in John's chapter is also before us today. We still have that opportunity to surrender our life, to surrender ourselves to Christ to God. And so this Father's Day, as we think about Father's Day, and we try to make a little application for fathers also, right? And so this Father's Day, and if you're like me, I mean, maybe you lament missed opportunities of the past. Maybe there's some opportunities, and for some reason, fathers, often we come to church on Sunday mornings expecting to be beat over the head by saying how bad we are as fathers. Yes, I already know that. Could you tell me something I don't know, right? And we feel not encouraged, but we feel more discouraged. And so I want to offer you this morning that, yes, every single one of us as fathers, as grandfathers, uh, and, and, and as mothers, but this being Father's Day, sure, we've missed some opportunities in the past with our kids and those that we relate to. Of course we have. But if we get so stuck with lamenting that and looking to the back and looking to the past and, and seeing all the areas that we have failed, we miss the current opportunity that is right before us. I'm reminded of that so often in my own life because I have this very negative problem that I often will look back and get stuck there so much. And in the process of getting stuck there, tomorrow is now today. And today I was focusing upon yesterday. So when tomorrow comes, I miss today. Do you follow that? Right? So before us is an opportunity. Yes, we want to learn from the past, but let us not miss the glory of the opportunity that is before us because the time is limited. The limitation of time Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, a very popular verse, I believe. And Isaiah simply says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The two words, seek the Lord, yes, call upon him. Yes, we get that, but there's, a, there's, a, there's another clause to the end of that. So seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And I think what the prophet Isaiah is telling us here, that there is a sense of urgency because time is limited. That will not always be available for us. That will always be available to you. And so he's saying, hey, while the Lord is near, while he can still be found, seek the Lord, call upon the Lord. In John chapter 7, verse 34, and also John chapter 13, verse 33, as, long as, our, as well as our text today, we're told, by the, or Jesus says, seek me. Seek me. You will seek me. 
giving the sense that uh, there will come a time where man, where women, where people will seek God and He'll no longer be there. He'll no longer be available. But for us, as long as we're still here breathing, we have the opportunity to seek God, to seek Jesus. Just like in the parable of the ten virgins. And I didn't want to get into that too much, but just to give you a little bit of a cross-reference there, you can write that down for yourself, Matthew chapter 25, and look at that a little bit more. And you're probably pretty familiar with it anyways, where you had these uh, ten virgins, they were preparing for the, the bridegroom, and, and as they waited, their, their oil and their lamps was running out, and five came prepared, and five didn't come prepared. And it's giving us a sense of Jesus using this parable. Parables are parables, and they can only be taken so far, so we need to be very careful with parables. But Jesus is certainly giving us a sense that time will come where time will run out for us. And I understand that being as simply the end of our life or the end of the, the world. Up until that time, time is still available for us. And as you hear these words from time to time, is still on your side. Time has not run out. And Jesus can still be found. Jesus is still near. And I think about that as, as fathers and as dads and as grandfathers. You know, what a great opportunity, right? I mean, what are our first responsibility is to point our kids to Jesus, isn't it? Point our kids to Jesus while we still have the time. As A.J. had mentioned here this morning, he has... Uh, some unique access to his son to do exactly that. But as our kids move on, as ours have, sometimes our influence isn't quite as strong, or so we think. But they're still watching us, aren't they? Time is still there. And as we see the unrest in our world today, many take interest in eschatology. I'm just fascinated how eschatology can be such a topic and such a divisive topic, end-of-the-world stuff. And, and it can be very interesting, but only if you believe and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? I mean, we don't get so caught up and so weighted down in some of these things that we miss the whole point, right? And I think about that sometimes, especially those who, who want to major on eschatology. I get that, and I understand that, and, and I myself have got a, new, a renewed interest in the book of Revelation. We'll see where that goes. I'm not a huge eschatology and end-time person, but nonetheless, I think about that often when people talk about the end of the world or the sign of the times as they talk about some of those things. And, and I wonder about that. I was like, yeah, okay, but what does that mean? You know, every single hour, every single minute of the day, someone's end of the world came, right? Someone's end of the world came. So why do we get so hung up on how the end of the world is going to come about? I get it and I understand, but let's not focus. That the important thing, let's not get so focused upon that that we miss the important thing, and that is pointing people that they believe in Jesus, as we'll see in our text here this morning. Not on how he's going to be returning, but that he is going to return. But let me move on before we get off on that. So the glory of opportunity, the limitation of time, and now the certainty of judgment. The certainty of judgment. It's not a topic that we necessarily like to talk about, but it's a topic that we, we must engage with and that we must understand because a, a time of um, accountability will come for every single one of us. And so I want to look at that here just for a little bit here for a few more minutes this morning. Um, 
And that is in verses, uh, verse, one, or verse 22. Verse 22. And so the Jews were saying, surely he, Jesus, will not kill himself. Because Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go away. And you're going to search for me. And you're not going to find me. Now, some commentaries like to look at it and point that to as saying, well, they're going to search for Jesus after his death because he was placed in that tomb. And so they're searching for his body. Well, Maybe, but I don't know that. I don't know how that necessarily is, is edifying for my life. So I'm not sure if that's what Jesus is necessarily referring to. In fact, I highly doubt that. We can certainly take a very simplistic view of it that way, but I really think it is that opportunity where Jesus is no longer uh, the, the your time, or Jesus is no longer there or available for us. And so he says that in verse 22. He says, um, uh, So the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Now, what is meant here? What's going on here? And what I'm calling is this certainty of judgment or how we miss the opportunity to be a follower of Jesus, how we miss to spend eternity with Jesus by self-declared righteousness. That's why they were missing Jesus before them. And they're saying, what what is meant here? They're saying, where's where's he going to go? Right? Well, where is Jesus going to go? And and the thought was that uh, they were considering, was Jesus going to could take his own life? Is he going to commit suicide? And of course, in the Jewish culture, uh, they would have thought that that is the absolute worst thing that anyone can do, and there's no hope for such a person. Now, we certainly understand today that um, there's much that comes in play uh, in, in that type of scenario, but for them and for this time, they thought, well, that obviously, evidently, that's what he's going to do, because that way we won't be able to find him. And so, in other words, they were saying that they're so much better than Jesus is. That's, that's, that's actually what they were saying. They were, they were saying that they're righteous. They're, they're, they're so much better because, obviously, they're not going, going to go there. And what kind of person does such a thing as that? And so they were saying, certainly this cannot be God if he's speaking in that type of, of language. And so they had this self-declared righteousness, right? And we can do that. I can do that. I've got it all figured out. I understand it. And those people, whoever those people are, they just don't understand correctly. If they only understood this correctly, they would agree with me. It's important that people agree with me, right? And we can, we can be self-declared righteousness there too. So we must be very, very careful. I think we can deduce that from this passage today that some of these folks that missed Jesus have missed Jesus because they were hung up on their own self-declared righteousness. We also see the worldliness of these folks here in John's uh, text here in verse 23, where Jesus says, hey, you're from below, I'm from above, you are from this world, I am not from this world. And I think what what Jesus is applying, look, you're, you're so focused, you're so stuck in this world that you cannot see beyond this world. This world is, is your whole focus. This world is your, your whole thought that you're missing and you're completely missing the other world, the world that I am from eternity, from heaven, right? From eternal life. We can become so focused in, in the big things and also the little things in our life that we become very discouraged, that we completely miss God. But becoming so focused, we think we're going to live forever. We are, but not in this life. And that's what Jesus is pointing out to them. Look, if you're going to be so this life focused, you are going to miss. You're going to miss eternal life spent with me. And I I do want to go back to uh, the Lord's Prayer, the high priestly prayer, as often our Bibles will call it, in John chapter 17. Just read a few verses there from you. 
as Jesus prayed for the disciples, as Jesus prayed for us. And he says in John chapter 17, starting at verse 14, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Listen, Jesus is praying on behalf and acknowledging that the world will hate the disciples or will very strongly dislike the followers of Jesus. But he has given us a responsibility to be an influence in the world that is around us, to show, show those how we're supposed to follow Jesus right in the midst of unrest or whatever's going on in the world. And sometimes it can be very hard to act like a follower of Jesus when I can also get sucked in to this world. And in that way, I think we can miss Jesus. And I think that's what Jesus is referring to. Look, you're so this world focused that you're missing. You're missing the point. Oh, and the, and the third way that uh, we will certainly give an account, and that is denying Jesus is God. Look at verse 24. In verse 24, he says, Therefore I said to you, Jesus said, I said to you that you will die in your sins. Now it's plural, that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am, of course, the the English is adding he, we certainly should be thought of, that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is absolutely saying he is God. And there's some who want to say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus absolutely claimed to be God. That's what got him killed. <laughs> and Jesus is saying here that, that unless you believe that I am God, and then of course there's going to become a transformation of life, that you will Die in your sins. And, and this can be a very difficult topic for some of us, right? For all of us, really, is how do we live faithful? How do we faithfully follow Jesus? Well, there's a few, just a few foundational things that I want to put before you this morning. And there's some things that we, we have to agree upon. Yes, that we, we have to agree upon. Number one, we have, to, we have to believe in the deity and the humanity of Jesus. We have to believe in the sinless life of Jesus. And yet, his humanity that he could relate just like you and I. We have to believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't, we're not polytheists, right? We're monotheists. We, we worship one God and yet revealed in those three parts. How does that all work? I don't know. But sometimes we want to separate the Holy Spirit and, and, and Jesus and God. In fact, God, I think, might be the overlooked one of the Trinity. But nonetheless, it's, we need to believe in the Trinity to be a believer, we also need to believe in the sacrificial atonement of Jesus, that there was a sacrifice that had to happen. There was a penalty for that sin that had to take place throughout the whole biblical text. We will find this, and we also have to believe because of that, that by grace we have been saved. There is no works that you and I can do. It is in Christ alone, by faith alone. It's the only way. If we think that we can earn our salvation, we're actually missing. We're going to miss out on Jesus. So that's just a couple few basics, and I'd be happy to engage in any conversation about those. But nonetheless, in the fourth is just flat-out ignorance. We see it in verse 25, these folks here that are missing out on the opportunity that is before them. 
We see it in verse 25. And so they, here the religious people, it says the Jewish people, but we need to understand that these are just a certain point. These are just the religious folks. Verse 25, and so they were saying to him, who are you? Now, how frustrating would that have to be for Jesus? Time after time, for two and a half years, he's lived in and through their communities. Six months from now, he will be crucified. And yet they're still asking, who are you? It's simple ignorance. And Jesus says, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? The word from is added added there. So what have I been saying to you in the beginning? So certainly different thoughts can be placed upon that. but, But nonetheless, we see that from the beginning, I have revealed myself to you. God has revealed himself to us. And you're still not understanding. You're still not understanding it. It's not that the opportunity hasn't been there. It's not that you haven't been, I haven't been revealed to you as Romans 1 would even tell us. It's it's that you are being ignorant. You are in essence choosing not to accept, choosing not to believe. I want to point back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, starting at verse uh, 316, because everyone knows John 316. You don't even have to be a believer. In fact, you may not even know who Jesus is, or maybe you even heard the name, and you probably know, many people probably know John 3.16 because it's plastered everywhere. But, but taking things out of context, you know we can't do that. Everything has a context. So let's read a little bit more of that context. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his world, his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because, you need to circle that, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. This, now verse 19, this is the judgment, that the light has come, that Jesus has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for for their deeds were evil. See, it's ignorance, right? It's, it, and that's what Jesus is saying here in, in our text today. Listen, listen to verse 25. Who are you? What have I been telling you from the beginning? It's not, that, it's not that you don't understand. It's not that you don't know, but you prefer this current life. Jesus here in John chapter 3, verse 19 is saying we prefer evil. We prefer disobedience over obedience, over obedience. Listen, we have many opportunities before us and only a limited time given to us by God. The time will come when we will give an account of how we use our time for the opportunities that we have been given. Right? We must choose wisely. Fathers, children, mothers, all of us, we must use the opportunity that we have been given wisely. I like Luke chapter 10 where we have this story of Martha and Mary. I love those two sisters. I can't wait if I get a chance to have a conversation. I don't know how that'll work, you know? But here you have two, right? These two ladies that that are here and and, and one seems to be very much of of a holy one as we would try to, I try to put it in my terminology, right, in my humanity here. And one seems to be like a very holy one. One was just always praying or always worshiping and all this. And this other one was just out running around doing everything. Wouldn't hold still for nothing, right? It's like, you need to pray more, right? And and the other one said, no, you need to do more. Could you imagine the dialogue back and forth? But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are bothered by so many things. 
but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good part. Listen, what, what I'm taking from that for this morning is that yes, we need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in reading our Bibles. We absolutely need to be spending time in doing those things, but we also cannot miss the opportunities that are before us to model and to share the love of Jesus. Jesus didn't come in the world to judge the world. That'll be for later, but for now is to save the world. And we need to be his ambassadors for our Heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Father, even as we uh, think about such a challenging text as such as this, and the time just doesn't allow to do much more justice to it, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just um, lead and guide our thoughts and our minds as we ourselves have time to study and read through this passage for ourselves. So, Father, I just do thank you once more for, for our fathers, for, for my dad, who's no longer here in this world, this earth with us, and each one of us experienced that a bit differently. But as we go through this Father's Day, to whatever our experience is with our biological father, Lord, knowing that that you are there, that you care, that you are for us, that you are not against us, but that you are for us. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.